0: Hello friends and welcome to episode number 144 of Flips and Maple Dips. It's me, Patrick, here in Halifax, Nova Scotia. He's Justin Anderson in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Uh, Thanks for uh, rejoining us after uh, having a brief hiatus slash break. All-star break. Uh, Yeah, the (laughs) All-Stars take a break, so why can't we? Uh, Justin, how was your All-Star break? It
1: was great. Yeah, no, uh, it was nice to get some time off. Uh... It's unfortunately been very smoky here in Saskatoon. There's a lot of north. There's a lot of forest fires in northern Western Canada, so we're getting a lot of, a lot of smoke and blowing into the area, which is unfortunate. So yeah, I've just been trying to stay inside out of the out of the bad air quality.
0: Yeah, try not to think about how the world is crumbling all around us.
1: <laughs> the inevitable heat death of the universe.
0: Well, that's happening, but also the fact that climate change is destroying, Canada, amongst mm. other places. Um, but yeah, let's try to keep it positive for our, uh, for our warm-up. Um, have, what did you What was the big thing you got to, to accomplish during the, uh, the All-Star break while uh, all the other podcasts went to the All-Star game?
1: Well, the, the, uh, <laughs> the big thing for me is I'm now working back in the office full-time again uh, for the That's first right. time since yes. mid-October. So it was about nine and a half months of being away from the mothership, and it's, uh, it's good to be back.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't agree. (laughs) I'm excited to work from home. (laughs) Uh, at least until the fall and then I think there's going to be some, I don't know what the exact is going to happen, but I, I, I'm pretty sure working from home is not going to be dead in the water
1: for sure. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I could, I could have worked at home forever, but, uh, my lack of air conditioning when it's been uh, like in the '30s, which is uncharacteristic for Saskatoon, for like literally a month Ugh. in a row, in a row now, um, and no end in sight. I had to get out of here. <laughs>
0: yep, yep, yep. I totally get it. So we've yeah. got a lot to talk about, Justin. Ah, in the, oh, that was Chris. Little beverage. Yeah, that's nice. Uh, we we, have, we we've got the mini fridge here. Uh, I've got mine office. too. <laughs> so I'm pretty dope. If I open it up, you might be able to hear some of the bottles clanking. Bat flips and mini fridges. <laughs> um it's all sodas though because i i don't drink alcohol so i've got and i've got some gatorade and some other stuff in there and i'm gonna add in uh like snackity snacks like uh carrots or celery or you know maybe some chocolate might be in there too mix it up a bit uh but yeah we got a lot to talk about uh we got all-star game follow-up we'll keep that one brief uh the draft happened and of course the big news which i'll leave to you and we'll uh, we'll recap the series with the rangers and answer a fan question and put a spotlight on arguably uh the biggest snub uh, from the all-star game in the form of a one robert ray so justin anderson Drive this
1: bus. Yeah, obviously the, the big news this week is that uh, after 670 days, Patrick March, the Blue Jays will play a home game at the Rogers Center in Toronto on June the 30th. Uh, it's going to be... You mean uh, July? July the 30th, yeah, excuse me, <laughs> against the Boston Red Sox. So a, an important divisional matchup against the Durable Red Sox. Uh, we've got some details on this too. Um, They will have capacity of 15,000 in a combination of what they call standard traditional seating as well as physically distanced pods. They're going to only have the 100 and 200 level of the bowl available. They're not going to have the 500 levels, so the the upper deck, uh, for the first uh, season anyway. If you're trying to get tickets, uh, 2021 and uh, 2022 season ticket members have first dibs. Those are going to go uh we'll receive first access and the general public will go on sale on thursday the 22nd here so if you're trying to get tickets keep them keep an eye out for this week uh face coverings are going to be required at all times for fans age two and older except when you're eating or drinking um and yeah it's gonna you're gonna have to have uh, symptom-free screening so they're gonna be monitoring people as they come in but uh, yeah we're gonna have baseball in toronto the the team was pumped hazel may had tweeted out about uh uh, she, she's actually in Buffalo now since the media, if you're fully vaccinated, you're able to travel to the States and so she is actually yeah. down in, in Denver and is now stayed in Buffalo, which is awesome to see uh, personal interviews with players again. But she had, she had tweeted about how when the news broke, uh, Kevin Biggio had stuck his head out of, the, out of the dugout and said, Hey Hazel, we're going home. And then, so the players are are understandably excited. Uh, almost about, I think it's, it's about half of the players, I think 13 players on the current active roster, Patrick have never played a home game in Toronto. So Only half of the roster has ever experienced the home uh, dugout and the home clubhouse in in Toronto. So it's going to be exciting for guys like Robbie Ray, Hunjin Ryu, George Springer, uh, Marcus Samin to see what the home crowd is like in Toronto.
0: Um, I'm happy that Hazel's going to be doing more in-person interviews. I didn't know this, but Hazel is 51. Not yeah. that this matters. It doesn't look I, it. <laughs> I would have, I, if I had to guess, I would have said something like at least 20 years younger. That just a, kind of blows my mind. Uh, but yeah, uh, props to them. And then also, it, this is so exciting. That means that Dan and Buck and Tabby and the gang are all going to be in be the ballpark. The, in the ballpark now. Yeah. After almost two years of uh, very, very difficult calling the game, I'm very curious to see if this means the end of the simulcast and uh, if they will bring back the Arena. radio.
1: Yeah, that's that's an interesting thing that I hadn't thought of because yeah, they'll actually be able to have the 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 staff in the ballpark. I know J.B. Campbell had tweeted about how he's excited to get back to their like the little Jays Central desk yeah. in the left field corner. So. That's gonna be that that I hadn't thought about that. That's a really good point.
0: I mean, I I'm guessing that's why they axed the the radio broadcast to start.
1: It's definitely difficult, yeah, when you can't have a team on hand to provide visuals, yeah.
0: So I'm guessing I'm guessing this will mean the end of the simulcast, which oh, is a lot of fans amazing. have been very upset over it. Not because it has anything to do with the quality of our announcers they just they tend yeah. to speak very anecdotally and, and even they... if
1: it's not the end though patrick it'll still be better because again it'll be Way in the better. ballpark obviously when when the games were in and buck and tabby were there but they haven't been there since the end of june or since the end of may sorry um so it's 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 been like two months without announcers actually in the ballpark so yeah it'll be curious to see how that that's that's a good point that's really interesting that you brought that up
0: I'm excited to see what happens, but I think they're going to do so many fan giveaways and stuff like that. But tickets are also going to be a fortune this year because they are doing such limited seating as well. So now might not be the best time to travel if you're somewhere else in Canada (laughs) wanting to go to a Jays game. I would say hold your fire and uh, wait until 2022. And I'm thinking... I'm thinking home opener 2022 sounds very enticing. That would be interesting, yeah.
1: We'll see when the the schedule usually comes out around end of September, so we get an idea of when that day is going to be and, uh, yeah, who they're going to play against. But uh, let's talk All-Star. We had four Blue Jays at the the All-Star game. Obviously, uh, Teoscar, Vladi, and Marcus all started with Bo being a reserve. Uh, vladi hit an absolute bomb, uh, 468 foot blast into the into the back of the outfield bleachers in Denver, and ended up winning the All-Star MVP. He drove in another run as well later on in the game. Uh, a couple nice plays at first base. Uh, Marcus Semien had an RBI. Teoscar Hernandez had a double and scored a run. Uh, Bichette didn't get a hit, but he made a couple nice plays in the field. He got a really nice. Uh, Ovation from the crowd when they intro- they're introducing the All Stars. Obviously, his dad Dante uh, played most of his big league career with the uh, with the Rockies, so yep. he's part of the team when Larry Walker was there, the the Blake Street Bombers. So uh, nice to see that for Bo and Vladi ended up picking up the All Star Game MVP, uh, which was which was nice to see. The the boys all stayed on the field. They got a nice picture together after um and yeah i like everybody had a good time with their families beau bichette rolled up onto the red carpet and shorts which is the most beau bichette thing of all time <laughs> he knows everybody's there to see the hair anyway so it doesn't matter what he wears on his legs but he's got nice calves so he's probably trying to show those bad boys off
0: you know what this means though for for beau bichette it means he needs three more all-star appearances in order to match his father Dante's
1: I, I say he um, does it
0: <laughs> yeah I think I think he does meanwhile Vladimir Guerrero uh, Jr. has one while his dad has five six seven eight nine so he he needs eight more yeah
1: uh, and so, uh fighting and his dad of, too kind of cool. Joined the Guerrero or joined the Bonses and the Griffies as the only father and sons to homer in the All-Star game as well too. So yep. another piece of Guerrero history there with with Lattie going deep. But it looked like the guys had a, had a blast. Their families, Marcus Samin's kids were so cute on the red carpet. They had like the matching ties on. That was awesome. Uh, he's got really nice, really really beautiful families all around for the guys. So it's good to see that uh in prospect news simeon woods richardson of the new hampshire fisher cats our AA affiliate is actually going to pitch in the tokyo olympics for team usa so he'll be off to tokyo if he's not already there going through the, the quarantine process the olympics start on friday patrick marsh so interesting to see uh, a friend of the show devin haru had uh, a live today a harrowing journey it was more than 24 yeah. hours of of being awake and most of it spent in an airport waiting for for negative test results your whole plane has to get negative test results before you're allowed to exit the airport and proceed to your to your designated place of of, of lodging and then you basically for the first couple of weeks i think you've mentioned that he's not really allowed to do any any walking out and about it's pretty much a rigorous uh itinerary of taking a bus from the hotel to the venues of, that you're covering for the day and then back once you've gone through a couple of weeks of quarantining in, in Japan, you're able to go out. I know I have a friend who's in the US military who's stationed there and he was saying it was a very similar process for him when he went over about six months ago, he had to go through a very long quarantine before just even able to like walk out to get, to get food somewhere. So they're handling it very strictly. They don't have a very high vaccination rate over there. So that's one of the big reasons.
0: They don't, and they already have an outbreak amongst uh, the athletes, and they're yeah. seeing a record number, I think, of cases mm-hmm. uh, on the continent. I don't know if that necessarily includes uh, Japan in the numbers, uh, but all this is not good. If I, I don't blame any of the athletes who have been who have decided not to go yeah. to Tokyo. Uh, we've seen a few tennis stars uh, back out. Uh, respectfully I think Bianca did and uh, Vlasic Pospisil I think uh, backed out not backed out but I mean like they they're elected not to attend yeah yeah and then there was uh, another one announced another one announced it too and then there's a Hungarian weightlifter who left a message in in their hotel about starting a new life in Japan uh, and they went missing I don't know if they found them yet
1: interesting
0: holy shit (laughs) yeah
1: Anyway, let's talk about some some results. Uh, we've got some updated standings here. The Red Sox do play this evening, Patrick, so we won't have the results of that game. Um, the Jays are now 48-42. and 42. They've won four wow. games in a row, including this sweet post-All-Star break of the Rangers, who they absolutely annihilated, and we'll talk about that in a second. They're currently six and a half games back of the division. If Boston wins, they'll be seven back. If Boston loses tonight, it'll be six. And the Jays are now only three games back of the Oakland Athletics, who are currently still playing, for the second wildcard spot. So the Jays are making up some ground. They've got a plus 95 run differential, which is, I think, second best in the American League behind the be Houston Astros. So if the pitching holds up as it did today, and, and, and it did on Friday as well, uh, this team is poised to make some moves. Looking at... The three-game series against the Rangers over the course of three games, two which were seven innings due to the doubleheader, the Jays were able to put up 25 runs against, only two against for the Texas Rangers. Uh, And those two runs came off of Jacob Barnes in the ninth inning of Friday night's game. Uh, Our starting pitching for this series, Robbie Ray went six and two-thirds of shutout ball. Hyunjin Ryu pitched the seven-inning complete game in game one, the doubleheader, and only gave up three runs and one walk. And Steven Matz was actually pretty strong. Again, he gave up three hits, but struck out two, and didn't walk a batter over five innings. He only threw 68 pitches today. So the starting pitching, Patrick, was was very good. All three guys were able to pick up wins in this series and, and pitch shutout uh, really quality games.
0: Yep. The bullpen will be very well rested. Which is Going huge. into the games against Boston, which was great. The guys we saw today...
1: Uh, Talisa we'll Sustado. Into...
0: Yeah, Yeah, uh, I mean, Sacedo... He's actually been very good. (laughs) He has been. Um, Small sample size, though, with him. Uh, And Dolis was okay, but Dolis is unlikely to see very many high leverage situations in the Boston series. He's probably... uh, I mean, it made sense today being up 10-0 for Mats to come out. Have very effective five innings. Um, we could do this in order though, so I'll just say that, you know, the pen is well-rested. Welcome back, Ryan Barucki.
1: Yeah, Ryan Barucki pitched a, uh, a scoreless inning. He gave up a hit but struck yeah. out two batters in the Friday night's game. Adam Simber mopped up one out for Robbie Ray after he left the game and after six and two-thirds. And then, of course, I mentioned Jacob Barnes. Offensively, we had two home runs from Vladimir Guerrero Jr., which were at the time were his 29th and 30th of the season. Four RBIs in that game for him. Marcus Semien and Bo also chipped in with two hits. Uh, the Jays struck out six times compared to four walks, which is a very good ratio of their way to driving in 10 runs. The only starters without hits in that game were George Springer and Lotus Gurriel Jr. Anything to add offensively in that game, Patrick Marsh?
0: Man, the meat of our lineup, there's just so many guys. Like, Man. How do you... How do you get out of a game not get your ass whipped?
1: <laughs> I know. I, t- I tweeted out today. Uh, I said, imagine having Lourdes Gurriel Jr. as your eighth hitter.
0: <laughs> That's just crazy. And then we're seeing stuff from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. that we have not seen from a Blue Jay since probably peak, like 2010. Jose.
1: Yeah, Batista. Joey Bats. He was the fastest way to reach thirty home or thirty-one home runs. I think I was announced. They can say ninety games, whatever it is now. So.
0: Yep, but uh, Guerrero is up to what thirty?
1: Thirty-one after today.
0: Thirty-one after today, so he needs only twenty-nine home runs in his final seventy-two games uh, to hit sixty.
1: Yeah, not many guys That's have done that.
0: Very doable.
1: <laughs> I was of the belief. Uh, that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. would never be a big home run hitter. I thought he was going to be more of like a doubles machine, like kind of like how Chet is. But yeah. he's really just, uh, obviously, even during his minor league career, he never he never hit home runs at this pace. But what he's doing this year is just it's just otherworldly. It's absolutely incredible to watch. And frankly, I'm 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 sad I'm sad that it's that we're not able to witness it in person. But I'm, I'm very happy that it is happening. <laughs>
0: It's wild, but I mean, shout out to the the top part of the lineup there uh, yeah. in the game again, uh, where uh, Robbie Ray was just, he looked fantastic. He was great. Um, yeah,
1: Saturday's game was rained yeah. out, and it was made up today as part of a twin bill. The first game saw the Blue Jays beat the Rangers 5 to nothing. Hyunjin Ryu went the distance over seven innings, three hits, one walk, and four strikeouts. His changeup looked nasty. Uh, He had a bunch of time off over the All-Star break. He spent lots of it working on his delivery, his mechanics. Obviously, that's paid off. In that game, um, the damage was done in the first inning. Or sorry, not in the first inning. The damage was done by the bottom of the order. Uh, Gurriel and Espinal both had a couple of hits. They both scored runs. Daniel Jansen hit a home run. His fifth of the season, his second in uh, in in as many games for him, uh, which is good to see. There was only uh, there's only there's ten hits. Uh, am i looking at the right game no i'm looking at the wrong game there was uh, eight hits scattered by the blue jays offense in this one only three allowed one strikeout one walk it was pretty uneventful the jays scattered some runs they had two in the third one in the fifth and two in the sixth but it was good to see the boys uh really just hammer in on Kobe allard early in that game that third inning and then get to the ranger bullpen which is not very good
0: Yep. uh and uh I think the, the the big takeaway from today's game, we saw a lot of action from the bottom five in the lineup. Yep. Saw a lot of ribbies, uh, a lot of great contact, uh, a lot of silly contact. Uh, Lourdes <laughs> Gurriel Jr. had two dribblers. Yep. Went for infield hits. Uh, and then in game two, he did in something else. In game two. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> but, um, you know, at the beginning of today, I was ready to crit- like to criticize George Springer and say like, man, you're below the Mendoza line, and I'm just not seeing a reason why you should be hitting fourth. I still don't think he should hit fourth, um, but I don't know where you put him because uh, even though like Gurriel and Hernandez are hotter than him right now, Springer has so much upside. Potential yeah. and he can steal bases too. And it's like what she did can't today first, yeah. Yeah, it's just like you can't put him first because Samine is obviously pretty dialed in as our leadoff. And Bichette is hitting, he's flirting with 300, yeah. Guerrero's gonna hey, back th- third forever,
1: 330, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just uh, pencil him in so forever, <laughs> basically. There,
0: there's and even like what's crazy is like in you look at the, the first game where uh Ryu was dominant. Santiago Espinal, who did he make the team out of training camp?
1: Um, I don't think he did. He did not. He was he was he was missed. He missed out.
0: Santiago Espinal, right now, I don't know if you guys know this. This is this is a big significant news alert for Jays fans. He's sitting three thirty.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I would not have expected that. Although I've been a big fan of his for a while, in his last thirty games, which constitutes sixty at bats. Espinal's hitting 433 with an OBP of 485 and a slug of 550. He's not a home run machine, but holy crap. The guy and he is... plays
1: incredible defense too.
0: Yeah. I mean, we have to hold on him. He's got to be the solution at third. At I don't point. know
1: if he's the solution long term, but right now yeah, he needs to be playing there most of the time, I believe. Anytime we've got a ground ball pitcher like a Stripling or a Ryu on the mound, he's, he's got to be there. He's, just, he's a vacuum yeah base. 809
0: 809 ops uh yep. in his appearances i understand like it's limited appearances he only has a grand total of 115 at bats this season but he is far exceeding the capabilities of a replacement level you know yep spot start kind of player he's far exceeding it and it makes the uh subtraction of joe panic a, a distant memory it was
1: really an, an addition by subtraction because it freed up that playing time for espinal so yeah um the second game of today's doubleheader as we mentioned at, at the top of the show uh, steven mats was great and patrick alluded to guriel doing something big he had a two out grand slam in the first inning that capped a six red inning and the jays proceeded to put four more up off of mike fultenevitz in the second inning uh, rough game for Fulte. He's 2-9 and nine on the season, Patrick. His ERA is well over 5. It might even be pushing 6 after this game today. I didn't look at the updated number for him, but uh, I'm going to now because I'm curious to see. It's at 591 after today's game. Went from 515 to 591 after his less than two innings of work. Um, offensively, yeah, 8 hits on, and scoring 10 runs is pretty good. Springer went deep. Him and Guerrero went back-to-back uh, in the second inning. Um, Gritrick had a home run as well there was three home runs in that second for the Jays Gritrick had two hits in this one he's back up to 261 on the season with the 764 OPS which is very good for what we're paying him to do and, and again um, Reese McGuire no hits today he had one hit in Friday night's game he's really cooled off his average is back down to uh, to um, 270 and the OPS is down to 677 so the regression to the mean is real for Mr. Reese McGuire
0: it is, but he's still the better hitter between him and Danny Jansen by 100 points. So, like, he ain't going anywhere uh, unless Alejandro Kirk uh, has some sort of meteoric, meteoric rise in Triple I think they're going to keep Kirk down there as long as they can and hope that Maguire can improve his stock just enough. Because they don't want to lose him for nothing.
1: Yeah, Maguire's a big trade piece at the deadline.
0: I don't know if he'll necessarily get a lot, but they can't afford they can't afford to lose him for nothing, right? so they're going to ride him yeah, until
1: they'll do what they have to to
0: Yeah, they'll ride him as long as they can. Cavambicio uh is down to 225.
1: Yeah, that his average is never going to be high though. People have to It's not people have to realize but, that he's going to walk a ton.
0: <laughs> but he didn't um, I mean, he didn't play in the first game, but do no. you think Kavan Biggio might be an attractive trade piece. I know we need the infielders, but, you know, obviously Kevin Smith has to get a shot at some point. I think the biggest thing that
1: that the Blue Jays are are thinking with Biggio is that he's likely the second baseman next season. What we'll we'll talk about probably as the season goes along, but re-signing Marcus Samin is going to be difficult because of the value that he's going to command. And we're not really sure what the organization has planned for the long-term, but you've got a lot of infield prospects coming up, right? So do you want to sign Samin to the four or five-year ability he's going to be looking for when you've got these great, these kids with great potential coming up and you've got a guy like Vigio who plays his best defense at second base. It's his, it's his natural position, but we saw him play. We saw him shift over to first base in the second game today as doubleheader when they took Vladdy out. We saw him play third base at the start of the game. He plays the outfield. So He's just so versatile. Uh, and and the fact that he's got more power and more of an eye and he's a left-headed bat, those are all things that Espinal lacks. He doesn't have the power, the eye, or the lefty bat. So I think he's still... I think Biggio is still much more valuable than Espinal long-term at this point. But I do think that right now, Espinal has earned the majority of the third base playing time anyway.
0: Yeah, I would agree. I'm just very curious to see... What they're going to do, because they do have a bit of a log jam. Yeah, uh, teams
1: between, would love to get Cababigio.
0: <laughs> between AA and AAA, there's so many, there are players right now who are exceeding expectations, who you can't justify keeping in the minors for much longer. Kevin Smith is one of them. Braylon like Valera was another, but he got the call-up. Yeah. Today, and he did get to play in the second game, at least he got an at-bat,
1: uh, mm-hmm. I believe. He struck out in the second game.
0: He did. Samin came out of the game. Uh,
1: Bouchette came out of the game, not or, Samin. Or
0: Bouchette came out of the game. That shifted Samin over to short. Valera yeah. got the at-bat. He struck out. He got smoked.
1: He was sitting uh, over 300 in AAA, though, so he was yeah. worth a look.
0: Yeah, he'll get a look. He'll get to see some at-bats, probably at the expense of uh combination of Biggio and uh, Espinal. I, probably not too many. Uh, And then Jonathan Davis, obviously, once again, the odd man out. Not getting consistent play time does not help Davis uh, at all as far as improving his stock. He might be a guy. Jonathan Davis might get traded. Mm -hmm. And it might be one of those things where it's like, this gives you a chance to go play somewhere else. You might actually have an opportunity to be a starter somewhere else. They try to do that with Anthony Alford, and I don't know if Anthony Alford... uh, he didn't make it happen in Pittsburgh. I don't know if he's in AAA or injured right now. I think he's in AAA, but.
1: I wouldn't even be 11. worried about Anthony Alford. <laughs> Anthony
0: one. Alford only played 11 games uh, so far this season with Pittsburgh, and he's hitting 08 3, OBP 241. He's drawing walks, but he can't hit the ball. Davis has a similar problem. Kind of sucks to see former guys we were championing struggling. But I would like to see Davis on a different team to see what he's capable of.
1: And it might happen here. Uh, he'd be a guy that would be a good candidate for, for DFA to remove him off that 40-man to, to protect another prospect who would be Rule 5 eligible this year. Well, I'm sure we'll chat we'll about that more as the season goes along. But uh, the last thing I want to chat about before we talk about Boston, Patrick, is uh, Gunnar Hoagland. The MLB draft was last week, and the Blue Jays oh, right. took a ton of guys... But the first round selection was Gunnar Hoagland, and he was a guy who was projected to be a top 10 pick, but he had to undergo Tommy John surgery. So the Blue Jays managed to snag this guy at 19, which could be one of the bigger steals of the draft, depending how his recovery goes. He's not going to pitch again this season, or likely even in 2022, but coming back at the beginning of 2023 as a guy who pitched in college... Uh, just like an Anthony Kaye. He's already 21 years old, so he's not right out of high school. He's got a few college years under him. He's a right-handed thrower. He's 6'4", 220 pounds. He fits that big build that the Blue Jays like Uh, out of the University of uh, Mississippi in Oxford. Uh, He's from Florida originally. He's born in Dunedin, actually, of all places. Little Blue Jays connection (laughs) there for you. Uh, Over uh, three seasons of SEC baseball with Mississippi, in 30... One starts, he pitched in 32 total games. He was 10-5 with a 3.68 ERA, 186 strikeouts to just 35 walks. This season, he struck out uh, in in, uh, 62 innings. He struck out 96 batters and only walked 17. Only allowed seven home runs and 20 earned runs over those 62 innings. His whip was below one. Uh, His strikeouts per nine were at 13.8, Patrick Marsh this kid has the stuff to be he has he had the stuff to be a top 10 pick until the surgery pushed him down the 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 the, uh, the the draft board but we'll see how he rebounds the jays have already signed him i'm just trying to pull up the the number that they signed him for give me one second to do that About 110k below the
0: the draft yeah. position position
1: uh, the deal was for three three million two hundred forty seven thousand five hundred dollars, which was yeah about one hundred and eleven thousand below slot value. So they managed to save a little bit of money on him. Not that, not that three point two million is a small amount of money, but uh, good to see the Jays be able, able to sign him quickly, and we'll see how he's able to rebound.
0: Yeah, I'm very curious. I think this is a very interesting pick. Yep. At ni- at nineteen, uh, I mean, before the injury, he was. It looked like he was. He was a be top, top 10. ten. Yeah. Yeah, he was up there with, uh, with Lighter, Jack Lighter, and with, uh, with
1: Kumar Rocker, Rocker who went tenth at yep. the end. Interestingly enough.
0: So, very interesting pick. It kind of just kind of sucks because he is shut down for the rest of the year as well as probably yeah a sizable he just
1: had tommy johns on may 18th so recently two months ago
0: yeah well we'll see him in 2022 it just won't be very for very much it
1: would be late 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 in the season yeah um yeah, it
0: would be like he'll start up probably in like vancouver in like well maybe not because wouldn't their season be over
1: no vancouver's full season now patrick marsh
0: oh that's right okay yeah so we'll see him August twenty twenty two probably. That's a
1: very, very good possibility that we'll see him at least in some in some way shape or form. Uh, but yeah, we'll get to see him pitch. He has Baseball America gave him a seventy grade on his command, Patrick. So oh wow, that's something to be to be noteworthy about. And uh, I can't remember which pitches he throws, but they gave all three of his pitches. I'm assuming like a fastball, a curveball, and maybe a changeup. They all have a fifty five grade as of right now. So for commander a, first. For each of the three pitches. So his, his control is 70, and his, uh, his three pitches are graded out a 55. Oh, I see.
0: So. I see. Okay. What's his ve- uh, velocity?
1: I'm not 100% certain. I don't have much data because it's all college stats. So.
0: Oh, yeah. That's not really. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll see. In, we'll probably see 20. It won't be. It's This is one of those long-term picks. Even yes. Even though he was at the university because of the TJ. Might as well get that TJ out of the way. Guys are doing it all the friggin' time <laughs> yep. in their early
1: twenties. Let's talk yes. Boston here. Yeah. So we've got three games at Salem Field, uh, and the Red Sox are coming to town. Division leading Red Sox. The Red Sox do play tonight. They are currently fifty six and thirty seven to our forty eight and forty two. Canadian Nick Pavetta is going to go to the mound against Ross Stripling, friend of the show tomorrow, seven oh seven Eastern. On Wednesday, Garrett Richards, who has been better lately, the Blue Jays beat up on him a couple of times, will face Alec Manoa on, uh, on Tuesday night. And then on Wednesday, Tanner Houck is going for the Red Sox. It should be Robbie Ray for the Blue Jays. That was what the, the broadcast was saying in, during game one of today's series. That was going to be Stripling, Manoa, and Ray. MLB.com shows still TBD, but other sites are showing Robbie Ray. Uh, and that would line up with his, with his rest day as he pitched last on Friday. So Wednesday would be his next turn in the rotation. Um, yeah, this is, this is a huge series. Can't be said enough. We just talked about that the Blue Jays are about six games behind of the, of the Red Sox going into today's or tonight's action for Boston. We're six and a half back. So the, the Jays need to win at least two to three here to keep that division in, in reach. We cannot afford to lose two to three or to get swept in this series.
0: Yep. Uh it's either series win or you know or Boston really. <laughs> uh, yeah, or serious damage will be done to us. Or it's
1: wild card if if we don't win this series it's looking like a wild card spot is, is going to be up for grabs. We play we play Boston again uh, later later in the month, obviously when we're back in Toronto as well too. So there's a lot of games against Boston here at the end of July that the Jays need to win the majority of.
0: Yeah, it's got to be... It's it's crazy in that there is a stretch of games here where we're going to play the Red Sox. I think it's like 10 out of our next 20 or something. Something like
1: that. that. Yeah, it's a lot of baseball against Boston. Um,
0: if, out of those 10 games, if we don't go 7-3, and three, we're not going to be able to win the division. It, yeah. that'll, that door will be closed. We cannot... Be less than 500 against Boston if we're going to squeeze into a wild card game. So this is really this is a great time for the team to make some decisions as far as whether they will be buyers or sellers mm-hmm. at the deadline. Uh, getting swept, I think, moves them a lot closer to being a fringe wild card possible seller at the deadline. There are a lot of guys who are on expiring contracts who would be attractive trade pieces. Probably wouldn't get as much for them. Marcus Samin comes to mind, but we're not there yet. I'm saying we have to win this series. I think the key matchup is Monday. We need, we need strips to outperform Nick Pavetta. Yeah. We need it. Um, I feel very confident Alec Manoa versus Garrett Richards. Richards has not been great this year uh alec manoa has been terrific uh since he he came up yeah and i mean robbie if robbie ray indeed is on the bump on wednesday if i'm boston my teeth are chattering because <laughs> he looks fantastic
1: yeah it's uh it's a very good chance uh that Robbie ray will be on that mound Yes. That's what the broadcast was saying today, and that's what I saw on Twitter kind of yesterday as well, too, that that's what it was going to be looking like. Um, but, yeah, let's let's talk about Robbie Ray, Patrick Marsh. We've got some stats here, which makes me happy. <laughs> and we've got some career numbers. We've got some baseball uh, stat cast data. I've got some thoughts on this, so we're gonna read a few things out to you here. So Robbie Ray's career numbers: Patrick Marsh. He's a he started 175 games. He has a 4.11 career ERA, which is actually very good. He's 50 innings shy of a thousand for his career. Uh, walks per nine are at 4.06. The strikeouts per nine are at just over 11. Home runs per nine are at 1.36. Ground ball percentage is around 40. His ex-fip is at 377, and he's a career 13.6 wins above replacement. Hmm. Now, last season, when the, Blue, the season where the Blue Jays acquired him, Reverend really Elias started 11 games last season, Patrick Marsh. He pitched in 51.2 innings. He had a 662 ERA. Now, the strikeout numbers were very good. They were at 11.85, but here's where it gets bad: the walk numbers, 7.84 almost walking a batter per inning, <laughs> uh, giving up more than two and a quarter home runs. His ground ball percentage is only at 24 compared to that career mark of 40. And the XFIP was at 584, and he was actually a negative 0.4 wins above replacement. Now, I don't understand these, these, these things you have highlighted red. Are those his career lows, Patrick Marsh?
0: Those are indeed his career lows. Actually, just wow. in the, the last second there, I did highlight the 7.84. I'm not, <laughs> yeah. I'm not totally sure that's a career low because I think there might have been... God,
1: that's got to be close,
0: though. Yeah, it's got to be close. <laughs> um, just to... He was... Uh, he struggled tremendously. He was
1: lost last year.
0: Yeah, even after he came to Toronto... Uh, or, well... Came to the Blue Jays organization. He still yeah. was having significant walk problems. It didn't go away with the trade. Uh, it was still just he
1: needed a like a world atlas to find the strike zone last season. Um, it was
0: brutal. But then yeah. something magical happened.
1: Yeah, something. Really, really happened when the calendar flipped into 2021 and offseason. Obviously, Robbie Ray signed very early in the free agency period with the Blue Jays, and that allowed him to work a lot with the staff in the offseason, especially, especially Pete Walker. He has now started 18 games so far this season, owns an 8-4 and four record. The ERA has fallen from 6.62 last year down to 2.93 at this point. He has more than doubled his innings pitch total at 107 and a third. The walks have fallen Patrick from 784 down to 226 per nine innings. He's more than cut that in in the third. The the, the strikeouts haven't really changed. He was 1185, he's at 1157 this year. The K's per strike our K's per walk have went from 1.5 to 5.1. He's dropped his home runs per nine from 2.26 to 1.68. He has gone from uh, leaving 73% of runners on base to leaving nearly 91%. We mentioned that his career ground ball rate is 40%. He's at 41% this year after being at 24 last year. The xFIP is at a career best 3.19 after being at a 5.84, and he's already added 1.8 wins above replacement this season, which is probably well on pace to be a career season for Robbie Ray as well too. So. The biggest change has been his command. Obviously, when you cut your walks in a third, no matter what your number was, you're probably having a much better season. But the fact that he's been able to keep the strikeout numbers where they were while doing that and while limiting the home runs, even though he still gives up more home runs than league average, and it seems like most of the runs he gives up are off of the long ball, it's definitely been nice to see that. Uh, Career high left on base percentage. This is a good quote here. Uh, we call it the Mark Burley effect, or, quote, why Patrick temporarily believed in Thomas Pannone, end quote. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, that you put that in there. Um, a dramatic change is obviously attributed to working with Pete Walker, but also Ray was, uh, he knew, just like Russ Stripling had said, right, that he needed to make some changes because his career was going on a trajectory that it could have been over. Um it's it's really nice to see what Robbie Ray is able to do. Obviously, he he started the first game of the All Star break for us, meaning that he is seen by the Blue Jays right now as our best starting pitcher, even over Hyun Ryu, uh, who pitched great today. And if he can do that more times, that will be will be excellent. But uh, what do you have to what do you have to say about Robbie Ray, Patrick?
0: All the good things about Robbie Ray. What really impresses me about him was the fact that he was so bad last. Year. He struggled so much. Oh my goodness! And he's gone out of his way to just rebuild himself uh, from the ground up. Still has the you know the fastball. Still ha- with the tight pants and the heavy grunts on, on the mound. <laughs> uh, those things haven't changed. Uh, but he's like you mentioned. He was beating the fit projection. All year long with his era he's getting out of bad jams uh with ease uh and the k's per walk are just they're all-star level Oof. this is this is this is an all-star level season he might become the first uh blue jay to win 20 games during the regular season since jay Happ in 2016. wow so how do you do with that kind of stat that's pretty terrific um, his secondary and tertiary pitches look really good, and I'm sure you'll talk about the analytics of that. I sure will. Um, but we are seeing a growing trend with guys who are, you know, have pedigrees uh, and strong performances elsewhere, come to the Jays and take some time to work with our uh, our staffing, and uh, you know, we're seeing significant uptick in their abilities. Ross Stripling is the other guy who I'm really kind of hinting at here. Uh, He's done it, you know, mid-season 2021. uh, And unfortunately, his record doesn't currently reflect the quality of his performances because the team has struggled during Strips' uh, good performances. Um, But it's just a matter of time before the hitting lines up with both these guys pitching well. We saw it on uh, Friday. When we absolutely whipped uh, the Rangers, uh, we gave them an ass whooping. Uh, And I'm sure we're going to see it a bunch more times as we beat up on teams like the Tigers and the Royals and the Twins and Cleveland uh, here in the back half. But we really need Robbie Ray and, and others to step up when we play these games against the Red Sox.
1: Yes, 100%. And speaking of the deeper dive into some of the statistics, I pulled some data from Baseball Savant, which has a lot of integration with StatCast. Um, Looking at Robbie Ray's pitch mix, first of all, in 2021, Patrick Marsh, he is throwing fastballs about 60% of the time as four-seamer. He's gone to about 27% on the slider, 9% on the curveball, and the changeup is down to 4%. Last season... He threw his fastball 47% of the time, so he's bumped up his fastball by about 13%. The slider, he has actually dropped it a little bit. He was going from 30.5 down to 26.8 so far this year. The curveball has gone uh, down 7%, went from 15.8 down to 8.8. And the change-up has actually increased from 2.8 to 4.1, and he's basically dumped his sinker. He threw the sinker 4% of the time last year. He's only thrown, I think, six all season. That's yeah, that cast his track.
0: His performances rely primarily on fastball sliders with fastballs. And then if you listen to uh, his uh, episode with Ross Stripling on mm-hmm. the bump, uh, he talked a lot about how... He's got that wipeout slider, which is just... It overpowers hitters. Yeah. And you can see it in a lot of the performance metrics. Guys just can't... They, they can't hit it. Uh, yeah. They, you know, even his fastball, uh, which we have seen get taken for a ride. Um, there's, you know... For sure. Can't really hide that. Um, but it's, it's such a, a heavy like, cannonball, like, fastball. (laughs) Like, it's 95, 96. He's cracked 97 a number of times, but it's such a heavy fastball. Uh, We saw that, too, with uh, John Axford. He also has a very heavy cannonball, like, fastball.
1: A bowling ball, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's just so... Like, it's just hard to to get hard contact on it without breaking your fingers, uh, (laughs) because it's just so good. Um, But, yeah, it's that one-two combo. He doesn't yeah. really need the curve uh, so much unless he wants to spice things up. But he right. attacks the zone. He's in the, he's kind of like what uh, Marcus Stroman used to be, where he would just attack, 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 attack with his fastball and then try to get you with uh, with that sexy slider.
1: For sure. And not everything has been perfect for Robbie Ray. He still uh, has a, a, one of the higher average exit velocities in baseball. He gets hit. Hard hit among the most, which is very in line with what he was the last couple seasons. The biggest differences for Robbie Ray are that he has, uh, incre- he has increased his, his, his walk percentage from the, uh, the second percentile, so like very, very bad, to the 81st percentile this season, which is in the great category. He's getting the exact same percentage of whiffs. He's in the 84th percentile. The chase rate has gone a lot up. His spin rates, his fastball spin is actually down from where it was last season his velocity is up though so he sacrificed some spin for some more velo the k rate is up 20 percentiles the expected batting average is up uh 36 percentiles expected era went from the 8th percentile to the 72nd this year so Robbie Ray has really well he's still giving up a a little bit or a lot of hard contact I guess when he does get hit he's just limited those events uh, he just doesn't get hit as often, right? He's he's getting that increased whiff, he's getting that increased chase rates. Um, his the fastball velocity has ticked up, his curveball velocity is actually uh, down by a mile per hour, but his changeup velocity has has been more of a difference. It's now at 88 compared to uh, 90 last year, and the fastball he had at one one mile per hour, he had a two miles per hour on the slider. So, getting a higher chase rate and limiting the amount of batted ball events that have happened. So. That's the big thing here. Uh, in you, terms of... Oh, go ahead.
0: I was just going to say, if you look if you look at his uh, 2021 heat map with the slider... Yes, exactly. Significant difference as far as what he's getting. Guys weren't biting on it uh, in 2020. In 2021, they can't stop themselves. Yeah. There's a huge, significant red blotch about... I don't know, a couple inches under the zone Mm -hmm. because it's. I mean, this is what you do with a wipeout slider is, it's it's very tricksy. uh, Yeah, and that's that's what you do. He's he's he he attacks the zone with the fastball and he tricks you into thinking that uh, he's gonna throw another fastball and you're gonna hit it 450 feet over (laughs) over the left field wall. Um, But nope, it's a slider and you've already swung and missed. Yeah. Uh, and he's walked off the mound and is returning to his charging station in <laughs> uh, in the dugout.
1: You can really see with with the slider, looking at the heat maps, uh, the heat maps are kind of shown, if, if anyone looks at Baseball Savant, they're shown from the point of view of the catcher. So looking out towards the mound, there are two very significant red splotches on here for his slider. There's one that, as Patrick alluded to, is, is like down and away from lefties or down and in on righties. Then there's also one that's at the very bottom of the zone. So you can see the big difference between the slider that he wants to throw for a strike and the one that he wants to throw for a swing and a miss. And last season, there was only really one cluster, and it was like right at the bottom of the zone. So he wasn't really throwing it for swings and misses. He wasn't throwing it to get chases last season. He's also managed to bring the four-seam fastball more down. Uh, And a big thing for me, even though he doesn't throw his changeup that often, is that last season, Patrick, he was throwing the changeup inside to righties. And now he's throwing it more inside to lefties and out and down and away from righties. so he's completely changed how he's using the changeup. he's gone from the outside of the plate to the inside on lefties the curveball has a much tighter heat map where he's throwing it right at the bottom of the zone again so there's a big disparity against the the amount of, of vertical break on the curveball versus the slider so the, they, they look very similar when he throws them but they do completely different things so he's he's just the command, as we've alluded to, of course, with the with the walks dropping so much, has just increased to the point where he's actually able to throw the ball where he wants to, and that's the biggest reason for his success, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, facing him, you get up there and he's he's throwing. If you're well, I mean, if you're like me and you bat, you know, you're you're lefty. I thought you
1: were gonna, you're gonna get... say terribly. I'm
0: yes, terribly as well. <laughs> I'm in the same boat. Um... Don't worry. But again, he's going to he's gonna punch me out. Like, let's say I was <laughs> league time. average as a hitter. He's going to punch me out because he's going to put in that, he's going to throw me high fastballs up in around my hands. So at best, I'm going to get a jam shot. And at worst, I'm going to swing and miss. And my battle, you know, end up in the, <laughs> you know, uh, five or six seats deep in the standings because <laughs> uh, it's just so hard to swing at and uh worst case scenario is i'm swinging for a jam shot because he's trying to hit me up in in uh and guess what i'm swinging for the jam shot and i'm about two feet above the wipeout slider that he yeah. just blew by me or i'm not going <laughs> to swing at any of them and, and just he, watch uh, he'll ca- <laughs> yeah he'll catch me looking with the change up uh, that pings the corner if he if he's feeling spicy otherwise he's, he's just going to overpower me with cannonball Fastballs. He's just, he deserved to be at the all-star game. Uh, I understand there's a limitation because the Jays were already sending four and they had three starters, and they don't want to deal with that same problem that they had when the Royals sent like eight guys or something like that, and they were all starters or whatever, and it was just stupid. Um, But Robbie Ray kind of got shorted of uh, an all-star nod. And uh, don't I would not be surprised if he got Cy Young votes. If he keeps this up, he will get very close to twenty wins, uh, and he may and he'll be the reason why we make the playoffs.
1: That's very uh, very possible. Yeah.
0: Just having that guy who's like our one B, almost like having two aces.
1: Yeah, uh, that percent.
0: Ryu finally turning things around, and then Ray's been. Very, very consistent, especially since, like, May. He's just, his stuff is so good. I really hope the Jays don't let him walk. I think they should sign him to at least a four- or five-year deal, whatever it takes to keep him in Toronto. His stuff is so good, and it's not like he's going to see, like, significant dip in his velocity. I think he's only 31 or 32. Um, yep. Let me confirm. He's 29. So why, in the, in the good... God, would you let Robbie Ray walk uh, anytime soon if you're the Toronto Blue Jays. you got to lock him up. He's the guy you want on the mound. He's going to be the ace of the staff when Ryu's contract expires in two years.
1: Yeah, he's, he's been very good. Uh, we've got one last thing to cover today, Patrick. We had uh, one of our listeners submit a question for us. Oh, yes. Uh, this is from Spencer Root, uh, sroot07 on Twitter. Thanks, Spencer, for the question. He says, yo, what up? Question for the podcast. At the halfway point of the season, what are you giving Bo on his as a midterm grade for his shortstop performance? He adds some more here. I'm seeing some people on Reddit he think that think he's actually regressed and want a move as soon as next season. I don't know. Maybe I'm just watching through rose-tinted glasses and hoping for the best, but I feel that Bo has definitely made strides. Most of his errors seem to just be mental mistakes. Forcing throws he has no business making, routine grounders ages just baubles, etc. Curious to hear your guys' thoughts on it. So Patrick Marsh, what is your midterm grade uh, on the season for Boba at shortstop, specifically on defense?
0: Specific, okay, because I was going to say offensively he gets an A-plus and he's A-star, yeah. which is what actually <laughs> happened. Defensively, I would say he's a C-plus. Uh, as a, uh, essentially a rookie or, you know, I guess a first or first second year. First full season, yeah. First full season guy. Um, we've seen players in the past who are shortstops uh, come in, and, and they're a little bit shaky on defense. I'll leave the, uh, the metrics to you, but, he, you know, uh, even the best uh, of all time struggled when they first walked into the, the game. Yeah, Uh it's very different playing shortstop uh in the regular season in Double-A AA and Triple-A than it is in MLB. A lot more is expected of you. And even a player like uh Derek Jeter who 5 or 6 hmm. years into his career uh cracked 24 errors if you remember, and that was a year that he was top 10 in MVP voting. So uh another Thing about Jeter was uh he had 22 errors in his rookie year and he was uh voted rookie of the year so yeah there the errors are concerning in so much as you want to see a player evolve uh quickly especially a guy who's probably going to be an all-timer like Bo he's just so tremendous at the plate it's I think they he's got a long leash when it comes to his potential uh even tony fernandez a- in his first couple of years at shortstop for the toronto blue jays many many moons ago was making you know somewhere between 20 and 30 errors before he settled in and became you know a solid gold glove caliber shortstop
1: right. you think of it this way too patrick most most players get drafted into the big leagues because they're bat, right uh-huh. A team isn't be like, oh, this guy didn't make any errors. Let's take him. He hit 130 in college, but we're going to draft him anyway. Now, you don't get drafted for hitting 130 in college. You get drafted because you hit well and because you have the athletic talent to become a good baseball player. Um, yeah, hitting the ball is so much differently. Obviously, yeah, if we're, I'm with you. If we're grading him on offense, we're giving him a very high grade of an A or an A+, plus, I would say. Um, defensively for me... Oh, man, I think I'm going to have to give him a D, just just defensively. A D for defense. Just because of the fact that he's had some mental errors, but the mental part of the game is one of the biggest things that, that comes later on in a big leaguer's career. So I, I do still believe that Boba should have as a shortstop. Uh, I do believe that he is the big reason that we won't re-sign Marcus Samin. Because yeah. Marcus Samin is probably going to want to command a lot of money and likely play shortstop, even though maybe maybe he's come around on second base. Who knows? But I think Boba is a cornerstone of this franchise at 23 years of age. And I'm not really too worried about the defense at this point. I think that he's going to improve. He has the arm strength. We've seen him whip a couple of balls across the diamond. He's made some very good plays. He's also, of course, yes, made some not-so-great plays. But as Spencer said, <laughs> a lot of those plays have been on routine ones that he probably just kind of comes out with a more of a nonchalant approach. But uh, I do want to talk a bit about the offense as well. Uh, The Blue Jays posted a tweet on the 15th, which was on Thursday. And they said that there are are some players in MLB history who in their first 162 career games, so first full season, have hit 30-plus homers, have 200-plus hits, 20-plus stolen bases, 40-plus doubles, more than 100 RBIs and runs scored, and a 300-plus average. Do you know how many players are on that list, Patrick Marsh, for all those stats? I'm guessing... One. There is only one, and it's Bobuchet. He's the first big league player in history to put up those numbers in their first 162 career games. So as you said, he's looking like he's going to be an all-timer. And if Bobuchet is going to put those offensive numbers up every season and commit 25 errors like the like guys like Marcus Semien and Cal Ripken Jr. did in their first full seasons man i i hope he commits those errors because i want him to see i want him to hit 330 home runs every year i would i can live with the with the errors because the offensive impact that he's going to have is going to to drastically outweigh any negative defensive value that he has or will have
0: he's the so, best two strike hitter that i have seen since peak jose batista
1: yeah it's uh blue jays fans lovingly lo- refer to O2 o- counts as bow and two but once he gets to bow and two he's likely going to at least battle he's not he doesn't strike out on three pitches often he's got such a great two strike approach which i largely credit to his father of course but he's one of the one of the two players him and vlad who are who are likely hopefully going to be career blue jays so yeah, it's, it's, I, I think if, we, if we're talking about Bo's defense, we are just looking for things to nitpick. And if Bo's defense is a thing that we have to find to find something negative to say about this team outside of their bullpen, I think we're doing pretty well.
0: Yep, I found Dante Bichette, his comments specifically. Yeah. I mean, obviously there is a bias there. <laughs> that's his son. But
1: some bias uh, from an all-star player, right? A very good baseball that's player. That's
0: right. A guy who hit 300 for his career, yeah, arguably should have gotten more uh, credit than he did when his career was over, uh, course or not. Um, just I'm just gonna use just the last sentence. Um, I think he'll end up being a pretty special shortstop that, and uh, help lead that organization to a championship. So I think the implication there is very interesting because these guys they don't talk about their their futures with Toronto very often. Obviously. You know they're extremely young and a few years away even from <laughs> arbitration. Uh, but I don't <laughs> yeah. even know that they even get that close. I hope they
1: don't guy. let them get that far.
0: Yeah, I think they're going to get locked up pretty quickly. Uh, and even if guys like Austin Martin, uh, or Relos Martinez, and Jordan Groshans, uh, you know, take quantum leaps forward in their progress as far as. What they're capable of. I still think Bobaschet is the guy of the future at shortstop. Mm-hmm. You, they got to sign. I I know they need to be patient because money. Uh, mm-hmm. They can't just lock them up for you know, thirty year, three or not sorry, uh, twenty year, three hundred million dollar deals like um, you know immediately, but like.
1: Right. But
0: to, you know, TikTok. The more that you see success from, from Vladdy and Bo, it's just going to cost more and more and more to do it. So I say sign these guys now.
1: I am 100% with you. Uh, but that should do it for our episode today. We're pretty much spot on an hour, Patrick. So uh, after a nice break, it's good to put on a nice episode with a, with a ton of content. So we'll be back uh, over the weekend. The Blue Jays are obviously going to play some, some Red Sox baseball here. Uh, the first part of the week, we'll catch you guys on Thursday, most likely on the Blue Jays off day with a preview of next weekend's series. Uh, the series just keep getting bigger and bigger. We're in the end of July now. The Blue Jays return to Rogers Centre a day before the trade deadline. So not only is it going to be good to get back in of the home fans, but hopefully we'll have some more reinforcements join the team. Granted that the team plays well in the next 10 days leading up to that point. But for Patrick Marsh out in Halifax, it's Justin Anderson here in Saskatoon. Thank you for listening on places like Anchor, Spotify, Apple, uh, YouTube, wherever you find us, Google Podcasts, BFMD Podcast on Twitter, bfmdpodcast.com. The birds are flying north while Blue Jays baseball on Canadian soil in 12 days. We'll talk to you guys on Thursday.